Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fly Brother Radio Show. I'm Ernest White II, storyteller and explorer. I've lived in five countries and traveled to over 70, and I'm not saying all that to say that I'm all that. I just want to give you a little inspiration, some motivation, a few tricks and tips to go off and live an amazing fly life for yourself. Today on the Fly Brother Radio Show, I talk with Dr. Yvette McQueen, emergency medicine physician currently working as a traveling physician across the United States. She teaches healthcare providers and speaks to the general public about various health topics, and she's an active organizer and participant in international medical missions to many countries around the world. Dr. McQueen has mixed her passions of medicine and travel to educate the public about how to stay healthy while on air, land, or sea. Today we talk about tropical diseases, vaccinations, medications overseas, staying safe while on the road, health tips including the importance of hydration and wearing sunscreen, Malawi, Egypt, Paris, and a whole lot more. We'll be speaking with Dr. Yvette McQueen on the Fly Brother Radio Show right after this. Welcome back to the Fly Brother Radio Show. I'm Ernest White II here with Dr. Yvette McQueen, travel doctor extraordinaire, among many other things. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. McQueen. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> All right. So you are a traveling doctor, is that correct? Yes. My name is Yvette McQueen, MD, and I'm an emergency physician and travel doc. It's my uh, mission as a global physician to educate about health, travel wellness, and disease prevention. Okay, okay. And I guess disease prevention is important to people while they're traveling, correct? Exactly. Staying healthy so they can actually enjoy their experiences and adventures and come back home safely. Okay, true. That's, that's key, paramount. Safety as well. Safety, yes. Okay. Yes. So how did you get into travel medicine? Is that what you would call it? It's Well, I like I said, I'm an emergency physician. And right now I work as an independent contractor traveling around the United States. Okay. And working at different hospitals as an emergency physician. That has allowed me to travel also internationally greatly uh, with experiences, uh, conferences, as a speaker. And I've just picked up some tips of uh, travel and how to stay well because I need to stay well to be a doctor. Okay, that's true. And um, so where are some of the places that you've traveled recently? Oh, in a professional capacity, uh, Recently in a professional capacity, I've... Um, Traveled to Malawi, East Africa, okay. on a medical mission. I've traveled to Egypt with a travel group because I was the tour group uh, staff physician. Mm. Uh, and I've done other conferences in uh, Europe and the Caribbean. Okay, okay. And uh, so then how did the Malawi experience come about? I, I currently, my church, uh, which is... Hopewell Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. It actually has a mission established there for the last 17 years, and oh, we wow. go every year. But for the last three years, we added a medical component once uh, we were uh, donated some land by a chief. Okay, so you were donated land by a chief to build like a clinic? We actually built a school. Okay. Uh, the school uh, teaches uh, Bible studies, 
and trade schools like sewing and welding. And in one of the buildings, we able to actually have a week-long clinic in combination uh, with the local clinic in Doha, Malawi. Okay. And so then, you know, Malawi is a country that I feel like many people may not know a lot about here in the U.S., even if they've heard the name. And Africa in general as a continent often gets um, a, a bad rep, maybe, when it comes to tropical diseases, uh, especially in the media. Okay. Well, people may have heard from about Malawi a few years ago because that's where Madonna adopted one of her children. Okay, yes. Yes. The famous Madonna's Malawian (laughs) child. Yes. (laughs) Malawi is actually in East Africa uh, between Mozambique and Zimbabwe. And it it is the second poorest country in the world. Oh, wow. Yes, it is. So we've had a uh, mission established there, like I said, for the last 17 years. Uh, through our pastor and we've done Bible teaching and church building and helping with different famines. Uh, Our missionaries are local there so we're dealing with the local people helping themselves and teaching to help themselves. We've also done some literacy program as far as um, teaching the village women to read. Oh wow, okay. Right, which they um, value greatly. And I guess that assists in making sure that you've got a healthy population because they can read about taking care of themselves and their children. Yes, they can read their uh, medication list and uh, it's most of their diseases are brought on by malnutrition. Okay, yeah. and you mentioned famine. Well, there's been a few years because of uh, rains or droughts. Uh, they had some famine, like okay. in uh, 2005, they had a huge famine. So we provided things like cornmeal mm. and, you know, sustainable um, household. They have a diet that's low in protein. Okay. Uh, so it's mostly just cornmeal and um, some vegetables they can get. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So not a lot of the diseases that you see in societies that are much more affluent. Well, we do see hypertension uh, oh, wow. only because it's just genetic. <laughs> okay. So we do see hypertension. We don't see diabetes as much, but we do see hypertension. And just the other, you know, of course, malaria in um, East Africa is okay. very prevalent. And children, um, they still have a low um, a death rate of five years and under due to Malawian pneumonia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the infant mortality rate is high yes. then. Yes, yes. Okay. And so then have you done work with larger institutions like the UN or Doctors Without Borders, that kind of thing in Malawi? Or are they, are you guys operating independently of that? We, um, we're independent. I would say independently. Uh, we don't get resources from those. Our resources are all um, donations through friends, families, okay. church members. We have worked with organizations uh, that are local there, like, um, um, it's called SOS Children's Village. And I'm okay. trying to remember what the acronym means. Uh, uh, other organizations I worked with from the United States, I've also worked in Burkina Faso, okay. which is in re- West Africa, yes. with a Christian group from um, Denver. Uh, they actually have an orphanage there. Oh, wow, okay. And they send a mission team there every year to do whether it's farming or building and teaching and also a medical clinic there. And we've um, supported a um, the pastor's son who's now... 
uh, gone to school and become a physician and um, have a mobile clinic. So he actually has a mobile van okay. that he takes around to the outlaying villages and treat people. So this isn't in the capital of Burkina Faso? No, this is on the outskirts. Okay. No, totally outskirts. So then, you know, you've got, like I was saying earlier, these uh, major scary kinds of diseases like Ebola and that kind of thing, you know, Zika with the mosquitoes and everything. How do you address people's uh, questions and, I guess, queries when you say that you've been in Africa dealing with medicine and they bring those things up? Well, it's all about taking care of yourself. Once right. you're back, taking care of yourself. In medicine, we have what we call uh, precautions. Mm -hmm. And as long as you adhere to those precautions, you reduce your risk minimally. You can see where there were several, there were hundreds of people working with Ebola, particularly in Liberia, where it was the center of it. And two to three people became infected. Okay. And that's only probably with like 0.05% of the actual workers that worked with Ebola. So that's that's a huge fact, the fact right. that less than 1% of people who were dealing with it on a daily basis exactly even caught it. Exactly. As long as we we use what we call universal precautions. Uh, and also we watch for signs and symptoms like with Zika. Uh, Zika uh, started really in the actually it started in um the Pacific Islands area and migrated over to South uh, South America and now has migrated to the Caribbean and on its way up to the United States. Mm. It is a mosquito-borne um, uh, illness or virus, uh, but it's all about precautions. Once again, you know you're going to be in an area, particularly in a mosquito-borne area, you take precautions. Mm -hmm. And one of the precautions is use a mosquito repellent. Right. For adults, you can use, make sure the mosquito repellent is DEET and make sure it's 25% above. Okay. If it's a, if it's children, you can't use DEET on children, uh, but you, there's so many natural mosquito repellents you can use, and I, I'll even throw out here Skin So Soft, mm. the Avon Skin So Soft right. is a Old wonderful, yeah. yes, uh, a mosquito repellent for children. Okay. Uh, don't be out in dusk and dawn when mosquitoes are more prevalent, and also cover up. You know, you, we think um, I need to be out in the sun and shed everything, all your clothes, where actually if you're wearing long sleeve and long pants and it's cool cotton type mm -hmm, material, mm -hmm. you actually stay cooler and it covers you up. Nice. All right, a few tips there already. Already. <laughs> well, I'm glad again that you mentioned that because I've traveled in Africa and had people ask me questions about, you know, well, weren't you afraid? And I'm like, I was an eight hour flight away from any zone that they had identified right. Ebola having, and right. were, you know, and they showed it showed up in Texas, which I'm like, you know, you're you are telling me to be careful. You be careful. Well, it showed up in Texas because that was someone that actually was in the primary zone. Mm -hmm. So when Ebola was around, was it two years ago? Yeah, I think so. Um, and they were. It was centered in basically three countries, and it was West Africa. Right. Uh, and um, he traveled. He was able to travel from there to I think the connecting was France and then to Texas. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is that I mean no place is safe from no. anything, and you gotta go some kind of way anyway. And if it's your time, it's your time. Right. right. So certainly, no, you don't want to lay on the railroad track when the train <laughs> is coming. But I'm not gonna not live 
I'm not going to not visit Africa because of some disease when you could catch anything anywhere right. or a tree could fall on you. Well, Africa is a continent. People it forget sure about is. that. And it's a huge one. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, like, like I said, it's an eight hour flight from like Dakar yes. to Johannesburg. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Yes. So guys, please don't be afraid of what you see in the media. <laughs> Certainly, that's something that, you know, most of us are aware of anyway, that it's right. about shock value and, you know, uh, sensationalism. Right. But uh, anyway, I'm just glad that you're here to give us some numbers on this stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoy my travels there. Definitely. It's excellent. And so you and I met uh, in Egypt, actually. Yes. So while we're talking about traveling in Africa, we met in a place where there's all kinds of alligator crocodiles. <laughs> You know, mosquitoes and all these other things. And, and we had a great other time. things. Yeah. Well, actually, I was—I mentioned it to someone uh, yesterday, one of my patients, and they were saying, "Weren't you afraid while you were in Egypt? Isn't it? it isn't it? You know, a lot of violence there." And I had to explain, no. Once again, you know, I went to Egypt on with a tour, but actually, I ended up going there by myself for two days, and then end up meeting with the group. Okay. Uh, but. It's in uh, Cairo is a big city and it's a big city and it has its bad parts and its good part like right. like New York City certainly like or any, Miami right, or yes. Jacksonville even <laughs> so any big city and then we went to southern um, Egypt and where we were welcome uh, people don't realize in Egypt they really want uh, American tourists mm, mm -hmm. uh, and they are really hurting for the economy because are they did they go through some political strife a few years yeah, ago yeah. yes. Uh, what what country has not? Certainly. And uh, they're just trying to rebuild. Uh, but it is a very safe environment to, to visit just Agreed. like anywhere else. Yes. And beautiful, friendly people. The pyramids are amazing, but also the temples along the Nile uh, River. I mean, the Egypt yeah. is the birth of civilization. Absolutely. And that's what I looked at it. And I just loved it. Yes. And can't wait to get back. Go to Egypt, guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. So then what are some of your other places that you enjoy going to that you've been, again, for professional purposes? And then maybe talk about some of the places you just like to go to on your own. For prof I mean, professional reasons? Let's see. Um, oh, let me I go around the United States. I think the United States has some um, wonderful um uh, places to tour and if you uh, are not inclined to tour internationally just visit your own uh, country I mean there's 50 states right. and I can say I've done 36 of the states so okay. far uh, but there's some wonderful things if you're going from you know Arizona the Grand Canyon uh, I go to Missouri a lot and I like going to places like the the Truman Library or oh, wow. I was able to see where the Pony Express started that's interesting um, and to it, me anyway. In Indiana, <laughs> I was in Indiana and I saw the um, the Clapper Girl uh, is for the uh, baking soda where baking soda started okay. many years ago in the 1800s where, and they had the red and white box with the, I know, They're I'm, actually, I'm dating myself. But there's a museum <laughs> for that. There's there may be some listeners who have never actually used baking soda in their entire lives and they're adults. Baking soda, baking powder, yeah. So it's, it's, 
It's interesting. This country has some very interesting places. That's cool. That's mm. cool. I'm not a believer that you have to necessarily go around your own country before you go abroad. Right. I think you can do both, but at the same time, travel has to start somewhere. Exactly. And there's often people feel like, oh, I can't go anywhere because I can't go to Paris. It's like, but you can go to one town over. Right. If, you know, on the bus. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's ways of, of, of getting a little bit of travel in your life. And sometimes in your own city. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Indian restaurant. A Mexican restaurant, restaurant, a museum that you had. I'm originally to. from Cleveland, and Cle and Cleveland has the um, the Music Hall of Fame. Oh wow! Okay. I can honestly say I haven't been yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't live there anymore, but it w it it was not there. But there's some people in Cleveland that says that's a joy in itself, just to go downtown to see that. Nice. Right. And um, I have some friends at Atlanta that did a staycation and they just went to everything in Atlanta and Atlanta has so much history in itself. It's true. It's and true. And so you can actually just uh, visit and enjoy your own city right. or a city close to you if you're not in a big city. So, right. Well, right. shout out to the A yeah. and to all the other <laughs> cities around you that you uh, definitely should be open to, to exploring <laughs> a little bit more just to get into a traveling mood. Right. So, right. Uh, so yeah, very nice. And then I happen to know personally that you enjoy Paris, correct? Yes, I do. I enjoy <laughs> Paris. <laughs> I enjoy Paris because I, um, in elementary and high school, I actually took French. Okay. So I took French for seven years. All right. But my first French teacher was a black Parisian. Okay. And she taught us con conversational French. And I've always had a fascination to of it. So when I became older and actually had some funds, I started going to Paris. And I just, I like to be a Parisian when I go there. All right. So I will go and I may stay in a hotel or I may rent an apartment, but I want to blend in. So okay. I have learned how to dress as a Parisian and I get by. All with, black with a beret and a yeah, scarf? Well, no beret, but definitely with a scarf. <laughs> okay. I definitely do the scarf. All you right. know, the scarf and the black ballet slippers, okay. yes. And I take the metro and I go to the corner bistro or the corner bakery and get my bread and take it back. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I like Paris. All right. And, and your French? It's uh, passable. It's passable. Okay. Je ne parle pas français. I'm pro. No, all I know how to say is like, oh, okay. pardon, parlez-vous anglais? No? Oh la la. So like, do you speak English? No? Oh, crap. So, yeah. Well, the things you really have to know is where's the bathroom? Yes. And can I have my check? L'addition, please, s'il vous plaît. Comme ça? What? To, well, in how do, you, no, how do you say it? L'addition, s'il vous plaît. L'addition. L'addition. La, L'addition, s'il vous plaît. Right. The L follows into, like, addition. Okay. L'addition, s'il vous plaît. Oui. So, how do you say, um, she'll take the check? <laughs> they just put it on the table. And they let you grab for Okay. It. Pour vous. <laughs> That's the one thing about Paris and eating, that um, meals are social there. Okay. So, you can sit at a cafe for hours. And unless you actually request a check from the waiter or waitress, they, they won't, won't bring it. it. Right, they leave right, you alone. Right. So a lot of people think they're being rude or slow, but that's just their custom. Okay. Well, yes. that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. As long as you know that you need to ask. Well, you need to ask for it. Okay. And yeah. so what is your favorite French food? French food. Yeah. French fries. <laughs> 
Ha ha ha. <laughs> French any food. Okay. Actually, okay, if I had a a passion for it, it would probably be um I have I like duck. Um oh Cocovan. What's that have in it? Oh Cocovan. It's actually a kind of stewed chicken. Okay. But the chicken has been stewed for like eight to ten hours with a type of sauce, a kind Good. of wine sauce. Nice. But it has to be made just right. Okay, and I'm sure they do it just right in France, don't they? Yes, they do. Magnifique. I, yes. Okay. Uh, well, I found some good Coco Vine a few other places. Okay, cool. Yes, yes. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you've got your, um, let's say, second home, if you will. Okay. Okay, so, and, and that's important. When you start traveling, you'll start feeling like, hey, I love this place so much, I may not need to go anywhere else right, sometimes. Right, right. Cool. Well, we'll be right back, right after this. Audience, please stay tuned. Welcome back to the Fly Brother Radio Show. This is Ernest White II talking to Dr. Yvette McQueen. Dr. McQueen, medicine woman. International <laughs> medicine woman. <laughs> Global medicine woman. Thank you very much for coming on the show Yes, today. it's a pleasure. So we were talking earlier about Paris and some of the places that you've been. What, how did you get into being a traveling doctor in the first place? Or maybe even start at the very beginning. What drew you to medicine in the first place? As well, what drew me to medicine as a young child, I was a, as you, some people like to call a nerd, mm -hmm. uh, but I love reading. And we had a, I'm about to date myself, we had the full set of World Book Encyclopedias. Yes, I had a World Book Encyclopedias <laughs> too, because I think Britannica was a little bit more expensive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I would sit in the corner of my room and go through the books, particularly the shiny pages, mm -hmm. and I would look at the different countries yes, and yes. history and also science uh, I enjoyed. So in 10th grade, when I took biology, I loved it. And when we cut up a cat, sorry, animal lovers. <laughs> It's how you learn how to cut up human bodies to fix them, correct? I, I enjoyed it, and my partner and I actually decided to sew it back up. Okay. Which was unusual. So it was like uh, a Tim Burton yes. animal. Okay. So uh, at that point, I decided to, um, I wanted to go to medical school. Okay. And from then on, but I also became a paramedic while an undergraduate. And that nice. gave me my love for uh, emergency medicine. Uh, okay. I like the diversity it gives, uh, the um, spontaneity. And uh, I don't have to deal with the office or the overhead or right. kind of the routine. Right, right. Right. And so where did you go to undergrad? I went to Central Michigan University in okay. Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And then uh, I took a few years off. I didn't go straight to medical school, so I'm the uh, non-traditional student. Okay. Where I actually was uh, teaching um, college or a local college in Cleveland, and I also did some research at a college there. And then I went to medical school in Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Okay. So I think it's important, like you said, to mention that you are non-traditional, meaning there's, it's never too late. 
No, it's never too late. And everyone thinks that if you go to medical school, you have to be like biology or chemistry, where it's not. Uh, most medical schools now want well-rounded people. Mm. And it's okay if you... Majored in philosophy. Yes. Or, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I have friends that majored in history or mm. political science or anthropology. I have friends that once again took time off and they were like an engineer or I even had a friend that was a flight attendant. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. She was a flight attendant in between and then said, okay, it's time to go to medical school. As long as you pass those boards, I guess that's all that matters. That's it. You have to take, you have to take the interest exam, which is called the MCAT Mm -hmm. uh, and just go through medical school. Okay. And you know, some people stumble. Uh, some people stumble, uh, may not pass all the tests, but if you complete medical school, P equals MD. <laughs> P equals MD. Yeah, pass. Because okay. most of our most of our scores are pass fail. They're okay. not graded, uh, you know, like a ninety or you got an A or a B. It's a one cutoff point. Either you pass or you fail. And we say P equals MD. So you're saying that there are many C level doctors out there. C-level... Meaning does, you got a 72. But that's just you. their score comparing to their other peers. It could easily have been a A score if they uh, did it against you. Right, or maybe if they paid attention in class and didn't uh, or had get a bad, drunk the night before. Or had a bad day okay. and got some bad news that morning but still decided to take the test. Things... It's life. Uh, Things happen in life. <laughs> That's true. I guess Things I just happen in having life. been a teacher. Right. I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder about my students who say they want to go to medical school, looking at their grades prior to the past. It's the passion. Yeah. It's the passion. Uh, medical uh, medicine is about. Yes, you do have to learn the material, but with medicine, it's always changing. Okay. Uh, they used to always like to say medicine is an art. Mm. So okay. so even though the science base, yes. you know, there's only 206 bones in the body and there always will be. Okay. Okay. But there's if there's different ways of applying medicine. Mm. So that's, and that's where the art comes in. That's where the art comes in. So if you have a certain disease and you treat it one way and another doctor treats it another way, but it still has the good outcome. What difference does it make? You're healed. There you go. Okay. All right. There I you accept go. that. There you Not go. that I had a choice in accepting it. But. <laughs> but med- yeah, medicine is about the passion, and uh, it's about learning. And the only difference between medical school, I guess, and undergrad is the amount of material you get. Okay. So as long as you have the concept of intaking the material. So what someone learns in a semester in undergraduate, we probably learn in a week. So it's wow. <laughs> right. So it's about basically st- it is study skills and organization. Okay, study skills and organization. Well, I will say that I have friends who are doctors, and once I started seeing like just the day to day grind when it comes to both the work and staying current with technological advances and with you know just new understandings of the body, like my hat gets tipped because you guys I don't know you you're impressive the fact that you're Thank still you. trying to be you know you're trying to keep up with everything have some semblance of a personal life and heal people right 
Right. First of all, the doctor must be well. So we do promote um, self-care within the doctor and wellness. So, right. Uh, and like I said, medicine is a passion. So are there those that's fallen out of medicine? Yes. Uh, because, you know, the things that's going on between reimbursement and the whole political scene, mm. some people do want to leave medicine. Uh, but it's your love for people that keeps right, you here. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then how did that transfer into travel? That transferred into travel because I did uh, come here and I had the typical job of where I, with emergency medicine, we work shifts. Okay. So I would work maybe an eight-hour shift or a 10-hour shift, and I would go to just one hospital, work there, have my days lined out. Uh, but I wanted, like I said, a little bit more diversity and more flexible with my schedule. So I actually... I am an independent contractor, okay. and I work as what we call a local tenums. That means a temporary position. A local tenums. Locum tenums. Oh, like it, it's Latin. Yes, Latin. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, all right. So. <laughs> <laughs> locum tenums. So uh, I fill in positions for people. So okay. I work for different agencies, and they may call me up and say, I have someone at this hospital that's going on maternity leave for the next two months. Okay. Can you fill in her shifts? Mm. And that's what I do. So okay. I'll fly in, I'll work three or four days and fly home, take a week off, and do it again two or three days. Okay. And then who covers the transportation? The agency I work for. Okay. Or the agency of the hospital. It okay. depends. In but you state. don't have to come out of your own pocket no, for that. No, they cover everything for me. Okay. Because I am actually doing a service for them. Right, right. Yes. And have you ended up going to really remote places like in the middle of Alaska? <laughs> well, in the United States, you have to have a medical license for each individual state. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So we don't get to cross over state lines. So I, um, I don't have a license in Alaska, so no, I have okay, not gone okay. there. But I have gone to some remote places, particularly in uh, the Midwest in the rural areas, Missouri, Indiana, some of the more rural areas away, like maybe two or three hours from the big cities. Okay. Because that's what I'm, they need. That's, that's where they need is. help. And yeah. it's it's hard to get doctors in that, those areas because most, most young doctors want to be in the big cities where right. things are happening. Right. Right. Understandable. Right. So. Most young people want to be in where <laughs> things are happening, right? Right. And yeah. so then is there a way to grandfather in for different states? Like if you're if you kind of have a region where the education is is I guess quote unquote the same. No. Okay. So no. you have to Each state requires their own state license. So okay. if I want to work in right now I have seven state license. So, if, so you had to study and pass the board. Well, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I don't. Once I've had one license, the other states will give me reciprocity. Okay. So they say. So you have a Florida license. Okay. So if you want a Kentucky license, fill out this application and pay us the money, and we'll give you a license. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. I used. The, I said grandfathered in as if okay. you had had it yeah, before okay. someplace yeah, and something yeah. changed on the ground, but actually it's reciprocity. Is yes, the term. yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So that makes it easier then. That makes it easier to open up your right. the, the places that you can go to. Yes. Yes. It's just a process. Some states it may take six to eight weeks. Some states it California takes six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the the more popular states is more detailed application. Right. Uh, and it takes you a little longer. Okay. Yeah. So then now that we know that you're all over the place 
looking after us, making sure that we're safe and sound and healthy on the road. And on the plane. And on the plane and on the boat <laughs> and everywhere else on the trail. Um, what are ways that we as travelers can stay healthy while we're traveling and not have to see you? That's a great question. Other than just to hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great question. So I have um, probably, say, seven tips I can give you real quick. Okay, okay. Uh, one is hydration. Mm. Uh, uh, people forget to um, drink water. Okay, <laughs> right, right. So hydration. The, the plane definitely could dry you out. Uh, and you're doing other things. You think about alcohol, actually, and I'm throwing alcohol in because people think alcohol is depressant, but it actually can also be a stimulant. Right. But alcohol causes severe dehydration. Okay. So if you're on vacation, which some people do, and you drink more than you normally do on a day-to-day, you will be dehydrated. Okay. But hydration will help with uh, many things, like it helps to prevent blood clots. It helps you keep from being dehydrated. It helps with, uh, it prevents jet lag if you stay mm. hydrated. Uh, it helps you with, when I talk about blood clots, like if you're on a plane or in a car and you're like sitting for more than two to three hours, you need to get up and walk around. Right, right. right. And so if you're drinking water, guess what? You need to go to the bathroom. Yes, <laughs> so it helps you to remember to move okay, also. Okay, okay. Another tip um, I tell people when they're flying is try to avoid gases, food. Okay, like, like beans? Like beans, broccoli, <laughs> But they're good for your heart, though. They are, but 24 <laughs> to 48 hours before you fly, you think when you're in pressurized cabin, yeah. it actually makes... Bloat. Right, you bloat. <laughs> I was going to say expand, but you bloat. Yes. Yes. So, and you get a little discomfort. So, mm-hmm. uh, particularly avoid that before you fly. And I would assume that would also apply to like uh, heavily spiced foods as well. Well, yes. Heavily spiced foods will actually cause you a lot of heartburn. Okay. And as you sleep, uh, that actually will actually cause you to have broken sleep, make you tired. Oh, man. Yeah. Because I love curry. <laughs> I love jerk. I love. Just try to not do it right before you chillies. fly. Okay. <laughs> Right before you fly. Uh, I tell people, number three, remember to uh, pack prescription medications. Mm. Now, in the United States, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Because if you forget your medications and you're at one of the chain right. pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, yeah. you, you just can call and say, hey, I'm in another city. Um, I forgot my medicines. And they probably give you like three or four day supply. Mm-hmm. But if you're internationally... Uh, you need to take your prescription medicines because it's not guaranteed you'll find it. True. Also, you need to take it in their original bottles. Okay. With your name on it. (laughs) Because when you re-enter, well, when you're entering one country and you go through customs, they'll want to see that as your medicine, but also re-entering the United States. Okay. They prefer you have medicine in the original bottles, not the pill, a little pill trays, but they need to be in the original bottles with your name on it. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, number four, pack over-the-counter medications. Uh, things you need for like headaches and BC. tummy aches, <laughs> and uh, if you have allergies, take your allergy medicine, Benadryl, okay. Claritin, things like that. But because it's not guaranteed, you will one find that, find that brand, mm, or true. Say we were in Italy and um, uh, someone gave gave uh, one of our travel mates some medicine oh this will help you with your stomach and we couldn't read it 
Right, because the language was not the language that you can read. <laughs> it wasn't English. Yes. It was like, do you really want to take that? You don't know what that is? Mm. Right. So, yeah. So, if you know you need the overcap, particularly if you're traveling with children. Yes. You know, you're traveling with children. You need to take those. Children likes to get fever at the drop of the hat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, take your ibuprofen and Tylenol along with you. Remember to take those. Nice. So, yes. And if you forget them, learn how to say ibuprofen in many languages. <laughs> ibuprofen. Ibuprofen and, yeah. and, and uh, acetaminophen. Yes. Acetaminophen. Yes. <laughs> Actually, the weird thing about in some countries, um, prescriptions uh, are given out by the pharmacy. Not the doctor, you know. Oh, wow. So uh, I had a cold one time. I was in, in France, and I had a cold. And they said, go to the pharmacy. And I went to the pharmacist, and but so you can't just get cough medicine. You just can't pick it up. I had to actually go to the pharmacist and talk. It's like, I have a cough, phlegm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, oh, okay. And they described the medicine, and that's how I was given it. Okay. Yeah, so. So meaning different countries have different procedures. And exactly. It's, it's true. Sometimes you'll go into what looks like a drugstore. Right. And they'll have all the little odds and ends, you know, tissue and 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 whatever tweezers, <laughs> like, it, but they won't have medicine. Exactly. Because you have to go to a specific like pharmacy right. for that. Right. So yeah, they'll it's, say pharmacy. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Right. So right. It, that's something that when you don't travel a lot, you're surprised with when you go to a place and you're like, well, I need some headache medicine. Exactly. But it's only at the pharmacy that they sell these things. Yes. Which may be closed. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely limited hours. Right. Yes. The convenience store may be 24 hours, right. but not the pharmacy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So tip number uh, five. I'm on five now. Sunscreen. Remember okay. to wear your sunscreen. Uh, even, everybody. Everybody. Even people of color. You can get sunburn. Okay. And you can get it's skin. True. And you can get skin cancer. That too. And that's what is really protection because you have, there's two different rays, UVA and UVB. Uh, make sure your sunglasses um, are covered for the broad spectrum mm. of both rays. Mm-hmm. Um, remember sunscreen on like the top of your head, your ears, the yes. back of your neck, your face. Use lip balm mm-hmm. that has SPF. So with normal sunscreen, we like SPF uh, 30 or above. Oh, wow. Right. No and 15, 5. No, 30 and above. Okay. It should be 30 and above. And uh, you should apply it 15 to 20 minutes before you expose yourself. Cause you, so don't just slather it on and run outside because the skin needs to absorb it, actually okay. absorb it to be able to protect you. And after you get out the water, you have to reapply, and you should reapply every two hours uh, oh, wow. if, if you're sitting out. But you shouldn't be out in the sun more than two hours anyway at a time. Okay. You need some rest from the sun, come out of the sun, rehydrate. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Uh, even on cloudy days, uh, particularly if you're in areas near the equator. Yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, if and you, high altitude places yes. too, like Bogota. Yes. Which is cloudy, but it's equatorial. Yes. And when the sun does come out, you yes. will burn instantaneously. You still can burn. Yeah. You still can burn. Because uh, sunburns is actually a real burn. It's called mm-hmm. a first degree burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you start to blister, that then becomes a second degree burn. So it's actually uh, a true, uh, it's a preventable Yes. Preventable accident. <laughs> like most. Yes. Accidents. <laughs> so tip number six is to uh, keep your immune system up. And that means get enough sleep. Don't try to. Uh, I know a lot of us, we don't pack until the last minute mm. and they stay up all the night mm-hmm. before. But get rest, hydration. I've said that several times. You can take vitamins to keep your immune system up. Uh, so that will help you if your immune system is up. 
uh, and, and flourishing, then you're less susceptible to pick up those small viruses. Okay. And then seventh, things to carry with you. Okay, things to carry with you are your wipes, uh, your sanitizer, things like that. Um, I will tell you, when you get on those planes... <laughs> Wipe down that tray. <laughs> Wipe down that tray because is even though I've talked to a lot of flight attendants, like how often is this this plane actually fully sanitized? They're like, oh no, never. No, right. sometimes at night when they pull it in or if they have to take it in, it's thoroughly clean. Okay. Um, but it's in between, they're picking up the small things. So wipe down that tray, the the seat in front of you, that pocket. Stop storing things. Right. Okay. Including be- gum. Because people will stay, put people with gum and they, they sneeze and put their little toilet. And then you turn around and put your book and computer in it. And then you're touching it. Mm. And then you touch your face. Okay. So that's how viruses are transmitted. And that's how you can get ill. Wow. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Okay. That's, uh, goodness. So that's, a, so, that's <laughs> need... a, so that's some quick tips. Okay. It sounds like you need a spacesuit to go on an airplane. No. It's just being... Careful. It's just being careful. True, true. It's being careful. So how can people find you online and in social media to find out more about traveling safely? Okay. I am Yvette McQueen, MD. That's Y-V-E-T-T-E-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N-M-D. Okay. So YvetteMcQueenMD.com. Nice. Or you can find me on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Google Plus, and YouTube, where I actually have some in, in, uh, instructional uh, videos. Uh, Yvette McQueen, MD. Excellent. Dr. McQueen, thank you very, very much for coming on the show today. It's been enlightening and entertaining. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, Let's do it again. All right, cool. Indeed. Soon. Guys, please stay tuned to the Fly Brother Radio Show. We'll be right back right after this brief break. Welcome back to the Fly Brother Radio Show. As Dr. McQueen mentioned before the break, you can find out more about health and travel at YvetteMcQueen.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus, and YouTube at YvetteMcQueenMD. You can reach out to me directly at Ernest at FlyBrother.net or visit our website, FlyBrother.net. We also appreciate the likes and follows on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FlyBrotherFly and on Instagram at FlyBrother. Please share any questions, content, or stories that helps me help others thrive. Lastly, if you do enjoy the FlyBrother radio show, please rate, subscribe, and even sign up to make a monthly contribution to keep FlyBrother in the air and on the air. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Fly Brother Radio Show. Have a phenomenal weekend and an amazing week. Ciao, ciao.